the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Report number two on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us on this Monday, the 20th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. It is, of course, uh, the federally recognized holiday for uh, honoring the life and uh, legacy of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the noted civil rights pioneer. We spent the entire first 20 minutes of the show discussing that. I, I was very... It was very important for me to share with you what I did in that first hour. So if you missed it, uh, I would strongly encourage and advise you to go to our podcast page, whkradio.com, and go to our podcast page and listen to uh, my thoughts on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, his most infamous, his most famous speech, rather, not infamous, famous speech, rather, um, and uh, and how I tied it into what is going on today, to uh, going on in this country today. I think it's very important for you. Now, in Richmond, Virginia, there's something else going on. The no reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment. When actually... Black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here. And main, big media, mainstream media be damned. If you take a good look at me, you 
you can see I'm a black American, and all I'm out here for is to enjoy my Second Amendment rights. That's why I'm here. What an um, unbelievably powerful statement by an unknown guy there. This was uh, just uh, you know a man on the street doing an interview with a local um, uh, media uh, outlet talking about why he's there to protect and defend Second Amendment rights in Richmond today. But as he pointed out, it will not be about the Second Amendment because the media will not allow it to be. The left will not allow it to be. They're going to turn it into a race war and the fear of a Charlottesville-style confrontation is real in Richmond, Virginia today. Joining us now, as promised, is my friend Tom Zawistowski. He is the president of the We the People Convention and the Portage County Tea Party, and he has written a piece, or and has also shared a piece, about this very subject at the We the People Convention website, wethepeopleconvention.org. Tom Z, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. What a great lead-in. What a great uh, you know clip you just played, because uh, that really says it all, doesn't it? What a great confluence. Uh, of your opening segment about Martin Luther King Day. This is a joyous day for America because, you know, we really have fulfilled his I Have a Dream speech. We really, you know, he said, I dream that one day my four little children will, you know, live in a country that will judge them not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. His four little children grew up in that nation, and his four little children live in that nation today, and that's the United States of America, one of the least racist nations in the world, regardless of what the hard left wants to you know, try to convince you of. And if you go to wethepeoplecondition.org on the front page, you'll see a, a post that I've made just you know, last a half an hour about Martin Luther King, and there's a map from the Washington Post that shows a poll that was done a couple years back and color codes all the countries in the world. And the United States is one of the least racist countries. That's the fact. And now, you know, you have these black Americans who are just Americans that are protesting in Richmond today with white Americans, with Asian Americans, with all Americans for their Second Amendment rights. And it's a beautiful thing. And it is a fulfillment of Martin Luther King's dream. And that's why we honor that great American today. Tom, that's a great open. Uh, now we need to talk about the event itself. While I completely concur, and I love what I heard from that gentleman whose clip I just played, and I love the connection to Dr. King and all the rest, um, I wish he didn't have to be out there today. And as you shared in an article that you sent out to your uh, e- email uh, uh, followers, um, there is a legitimate concern that even having this rally today is going to do more harm than good because it's not going to change the minds of anybody. You know, Ralph Northam, the Virginia legislature, they're not going to change their minds because there's a bunch of people rallying against this today. Um, anything that has changed is going to have to be done through a court of law, but the potential is very, very high for violent confrontations that are only going to paint the pro-Second Amendment side, particularly as it pertains to race, as that African-American gentleman just pointed out. But the pro-Second Amendment side will look like the aggressors and those who are, uh, who, are, who are responsible for this violence. So you tell me, should they be out there today or not? Well, Bob, you know, here's the problem. They have a right to be out there. This is a violation not just of their Second Amendment rights because they declared a state of emergency saying they could not carry guns in an area that is, a, is a, 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 in the Capitol Square there in Richmond where they're allowed to carry guns. And they've been there for years. This isn't the first time they've done this. And so now they're also violating their First Amendment rights by, by suggesting that they can't come and, and 
and defend their Second Amendment rights. So on one hand, you say, well, should they be there? Well, on the other hand, you say they have a right to be there. Why isn't the government defending their right? Because that's not what I'm seeing in Richmond. What I'm seeing in Richmond is the government trying to, to limit their right to stop them from being able to speak. So, so as you saw in my article, and, there, and, and if you go to WeedyPeopleConvention.org, you know, you'll see an article that says all eyes will be on Richmond Monday. And there's an analysis by this guy who I don't know. His name is Matt Bracken. But I'm yeah. sure you were as impressed as I was by his analysis. Because what your listeners need to understand, all Americans need to understand, Things can get out of control, right? The shot heard round the world at the Battle of Concord started the Revolutionary War. World War One was started with the assassination by one man, you know, of, of the Austrian king. If something happens today, as wild as it seems to your listeners, literally, this could ignite a civil war in our country. And I'm not being overdramatic, and if you read this article, you can understand it. What's frustrating to us and I'm so glad you mentioned the Jim Jordan, you know, in, in your uh, previous segment about the Tea Party, where we saw that the that the left intentionally infiltrated our event and tried to create things. And we saw in the 16 election, right? We saw the Project Veritas videos about that group that the Democrats and Clinton hired who would bring people to Trump rallies to start fights and then blame Trump and say his his supporters are violent thugs. But remember, it's all Lindsay, a rules for rattles that says, always accuse your opponent of what you're doing. That's right. Everything that the media says about these people is not true. It is only true of Antifa and these other groups affiliated with thugs, Black Lives Matter, who are Democrat, hard-left people. Your listeners need to understand that. So what puts you and I, Bob... In a situation, as I said in my opening statement in that article I posted, what would you do? What would I do as a leader in Ohio, you know, for our people when I'm, I'm being told I've got to not bring my gun and be herded into a fenced-in area on the Capitol Square in Richmond with only one entrance and one exit, okay? What would I tell my people to do? And I, like you, would say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to we're going to change the location of the rally. We're going to have it at a you know. I would love to have them move the rally today to one of these Civil War battlefields and have 130,000 uh, citizens there with guns, saying we demand that the legislature represent all of us in our right to you know keep and own weapons and do that on on a battlefield of our choosing. But that gets into the whole tactical issues that that we have to think through because we don't want war. But I got news for you. Antifa and the left do want civil war because their exactly. goal is to destroy the United States of America, and as they love to say, through any means necessary. Tom, that's the reason I asked the question of you directly about whether we should be out there today or whether the Second Amendment rights people should be out there today because they, all of that was phrased, framed rather very well by Matt Bracken in this article. He's an author, by the way, uh, and and it, because it, it, it could be playing right into their hands. You know, while we certainly do have a right to be there, as you explained very eloquently, the question is is whether it's the, we have the wisdom to be there or to not be there because of the trap that we may be walking into. Um, what I want to do is take a quick time out here, Tom. Can you give me one more segment? 
I'd love to. Thank you. Let me get a quick time out here. I want to come back and ask you a little bit more, and I want to share a couple of the best-case, worst-case scenarios offered up uh, by uh, Matt Bracken in this piece that really everybody should be considering uh, as the uh, gathering begins to uh, uh, grow in Richmond, Virginia. Back with Tom Z after this. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Ten twenty one. We continue now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer with our friend Tom Zawostowski, president of the We the People Convention, also the Portage County Tea Party. And Tom and I are discussing a an article that he linked to on the We the People Convention website. It came originally from AmericanPartisan.org. Matt Bracken is an author, and uh, his uh, headline. Matt Brackens is Richmond, the mother of all buffalo jumps, which is a really interesting analogy. And Tom Z and I are discussing whether or not this is a buffalo jump that we are being walked into in Richmond, Virginia, uh, today. When I say we, I mean those of us who support the Second Amendment and we're, and are there with those folks in spirit, if not in body. So Tom, the best case scenario, this is the reason I just asked you directly, and your answer was, well, we have a right to be there, and you're right, but is it wise for us to be there? Reading just a couple of lines from Matt Bracken's article. Best case scenario today. Even if nobody is seriously injured, some percentage of the Second Amendment crowd or anti-gun trolls posing as such in order to discredit them will show up wearing camouflage while waving long guns, Confederate battle flags, as it, and as in Charlottesville, even some Nazi swastika flags. No matter what the VCDL intends, the fringe elements will become the national media image of the entire event. Skipping down, the neo-Nazis and other accelerationists, Confederate stars and bars and even Nazi flags, uh, I'm sorry, accelerationists are locked in a twisted symbolic relationship with the leftist media like it or not those camo clad yahoos waving confederate stars and bars and even nazi flags will become the national image of the second amendment movement the yellow gadsden flag will forever be associated with the confederate and nazi flags and this is best case scenario with nobody getting injured so his point or at least his question is 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 it wise for this rally to be held knowing that the potential for violence is high and even if there is no violence best case scenario is we are still painted we second amendment supporters are painted as nazis nazi sympathizers white nationalists and confederate hillbillies so here's a couple of things that we need to consider okay. first of all we, you know, one of the problems we've made against the left, one of the, problem, the, the mistakes we've made in the last 50 years is we keep giving ground. We, you know, they, they beat us with words, not even with actions. They beat us by the threat. Okay, so you better not talk against gay marriage. You better not talk against trans. You better not, you know, uh, defend Donald Trump or we'll destroy you. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people, including Franklin Graham and others, who are saying that we need to stand up and, and be, you know, strong and, and be willing to fight. So what I'm seeing right now is I'm watching live coverage of the rally in, uh, in Richmond uh, by Breitbart, who's walking around, you know, just talking to people, is, is that you're seeing that there's been a decision made where some of the people are going into the cage and, and most of the people are not in the cage. They're around the cage to try to you know, play both sides, to not right. run into a trap, to not be the buffalo being herded over the cliff like the Indians did to kill them all. Okay, So they're trying to figure this out. But this is not a simple thing, Bob. 
And, and, and you know, I, I spend too much of my time trying to figure out what I would do. But what we can't do is be afraid to stand up for our right. And there is risk. And we understand that. But, but if you just back off, you lose. And, and I, one of my favorite quotes, and I put it on my emails often, and it's from Winston Churchill. It is not a choice to fight evil. You must fight evil for it will either kill you now or it will kill you later, but it will surely kill you. So the point is, yes, we need to be smart. I pray for wisdom. I personally pray for wisdom. I ask your listeners to pray for wisdom for all the leaders of these groups. But the, the bottom line is we have to pick the battle space of our choice. We have to do things that they don't expect. We can't walk into ambushes. And if your listeners read this article, listen, it's real simple. Charlottesville was a state-planned ambush of people on the right in order to tarnish Donald Trump. That's, that's my belief. I think I can prove it. I think there's coordination between the governor of Virginia, the mayor of Charlottesville, and the police in Charlottesville who intentionally stood down and pushed the, the neo-Nazis, whoever they were, into the Antifa to create the violence. And that's exactly what they're trying to do today in Richmond. And so we got to stop that. We understand their tactics. We're not stupid, but we're also in a real fight, and that means there's risk to it, Bob. I totally agree, and I agree with what you just said about Charlottesville. I think they absolutely did. We know that police stood down during those uh, early parts of those skirmishes, and then they got elevated, of course, and we all know what happened and ended up with some nut getting into a car and driving into a crowd of the counter-protesters and killing a woman. And then, of course, it became blood on the hands of Trump and white nationalists, because Trump is a white nationalist, of course, we all know. Of course. This is, yeah. this is what, <laughs> and, 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 um, Matt Bracken's piece, he says the very same thing. Scenario two is the bus brawl. Literally, with the assistance of local law enforcement, maybe without even their own willingness, but if they've been ordered to do things a certain way, that's what they have to do. Picture a bus or uh, more buses full of uh, rural 2A supporters, mostly boomers, and many packing their CCW pistols. Now, we know that within the Capitol grounds, they have been banned by Northam in this case, uh, the, the presence of those weapons. But picture them being attacked after law enforcement officers deliberately, under orders from government officials, direct them down, quote, Antifa Alley. We have seen this happen before. Buses of of uh, conservative groups being swarmed by Antifa and then violent clashes ensuing. So what happened in Charlottesville, I agree, was absolutely staged and managed by government officials, and I fear that's what's going to happen here, which is why I wonder whether going to Richmond is the smart thing to do, or maybe... As Matt uh, Bracken says, maybe we should just have a series of these Second Amendment rallies in local uh, jurisdictions around the country, kind of like the uh, you know the women's march people did on Saturday. Not that I want to equate myself to them, but you know, yeah, you have one big one in Washington, but there are a whole bunch of them in other locales. Maybe that's the safer way to go to avoid Antifa and any violence. Yeah, Bob, I think you're right. I think it's an all of the above solution. Mm-hmm. I think the Virginia Citizens Defense League is going to recognize that. So whatever happens today, you know, they're going to be rallying in local communities. As you know, 80% of the communities and uh, the counties in Virginia have, uh, have become Second Amendment sanctuary counties. That's very effective. And they've got their sheriffs behind them. And now they're going to be talking to these congressmen. I had uh, 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 Catherine Mortensen from the NRA on my show last week. And she told us that there's, they only need to flip the votes of two senators. In, in Virginia to stop these gun confiscation laws and things. And there's probably eight or ten 
Democrats who won uh, in this last election who didn't run on the gun issue being their issue. So they mm-hmm. believe that they can flip this. But here's the most important thing, Bob, and I think it probably perked up your ears, too. In my message on our website, I reminded people, I said, please also note, as you read this powerful analysis, that only 40% of Virginia's Virginians voted in the last election that let the Democratic Socialists take control of Virginia. Let that sink in. They are in control in doing this because 60% of the citizens in Virginia stayed home last year. Don't let that happen this year. And that's what we all have to be focused on, and we need to learn from the lessons of history, because this is how you lose your freedom, folks, when you don't vote and you don't get others to vote. Well, you're 100% correct, and we saw that obviously play out on the national level in the in the midterms in, in 2018. You know, This is why we have Nancy Pelosi holding that gavel. It's why we're watching this ridiculous impeachment farce uh, start this week, or this uh, trial start this week, because we did not get out in enough support and vote for our, our country's values, vote for our country's constitution, vote for our capitalism. We allowed the liberal progressive socialist movement to win uh, the House of Representatives. So you're right. If anything is... In, is uh, if anything, this is instructional for us. Look at what Virginia has devolved into. Look at the House of Representatives now. We cannot allow these elections to get away from us ever again. Uh, Tom Zawistowski, really great stuff. Thank you for sharing Matt Bracken's piece on the website. Uh, I tweeted it as I promised I would for those who want to see it uh, from uh, the We the People Convention dot org website. Uh, all eyes will be on Richmond today. Make sure you read that and uh, read Tom's great intro to it as well on the website. Tom, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you soon. You got it. Tom Zawistowski, again, that's available at wethepeopleconvention.org, wethepeopleconvention.org. All right, uh, final half hour of The Authority coming up right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll, 1035. Correction, 1036. Thanks for being with us on this MLK holiday today. If you are off work and able to listen to more of the show than you normally would, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it will encourage you to listen more frequently, even if you do have to work. Um, you can listen to the show on podcast anytime you like. Just go ahead and uh, listen to it uh, through the webpage or download it, listen to it on your device. It's whkradio.com, whkradio.com. And uh, make sure that you listen every day. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that and appreciate you weighing in as well, which is what I'm going to ask you to do now that we are finished with our guest portion of the show. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you to the program. If you would like to use Twitter or Facebook or Parler to contact me and leave a message, you can do so at France Radio on those play, uh, pages. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces. No underscores. I want to play this for you again. The clip that I played uh, leading into the Tom Zawistowski uh, comment. This is an African-American who is in Richmond, Virginia right now. His race shouldn't matter, right? It really shouldn't. But it does. And the reason it does is because the left has made it matter. They have made this about race, as this gentleman points out. 
Um, this is about Second Amendment, and they're going to turn it into an attack on white people and an accusation of pro-gun supporters being, quote-unquote, white nationalists. The reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment. When actually... Black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here. And big media, mainstream media be damned. If you take a good look at me, you can see I'm a black American, and all I'm out here for is to enjoy my Second Amendment rights. That's why I'm here. Great. And what, tell us about what do you think about the cordoning off that's going on out here uh, of, of the uh, capital why, area? You know what? It's great. What we ought to do is everybody just walk up with master locks, put master locks on the gates, and lock that bastard in. <laughs> that's what, no, to be quite honest, what I, <laughs> shut up. What I honestly think about it is, it's wrong. This is our capital. We pay for these grounds. This is not some place for the king to hold up in. This is our capital. This is our state. We have the right to petition for redress of our well, our government of our grievances. And our grievance today is their treatment of us and the Second Amendment. So the fact that he's got to hide behind fences like he's the king in Braveheart, I think it's complete and utter garbage. I don't know this man, but I absolutely love that man. Can That's all. you dig it? Yeah. Yes, I can. And I love that it was an African-American making those statements on Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King, of course, fought for freedom for all, justice for all, and freedom as guaranteed to us by our Constitution includes the Second Amendment right to bear arms. Fantastic. Uh, let's go to Brooklyn Heights and say good morning to Wally on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Wally. Good morning, Bob. Listen, I, I was just listening to that young gentleman. What, what a speech. You know, that was wonderful. And, you know, with it... Uh, situation in Virginia and the convention they're having with the gun control. Uh, you know, I just hope for the best, uh, knowing that, you know, people are heated right now in the world because of all the other distractions with the impeachment and the division that uh, the Democratic Party is bringing into the world. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep that peace, but I'm hoping that they'll be able to work it out that way. But the reason I'm calling is because, um, you know, uh, when I listened to uh, the speech this morning, you know, as you advertised, uh, you know, Martin Luther King's speech, you know, I just wanted to say the Democratic, Democratic Party, um, all they want to do is keep the minorities mentally, physically, and spiritually dependent on them so that they can push through their leftist agenda. You know, um, the thing is, when people are made to feel they are consistently owed something in front, for their past, they can't move forward, you know, and um, and that's uh, what the Democrats are trying to do. They're trying to keep everybody down. They're trying to divide this country. Um, and, and the only ones that are going to win are our enemies, and they just don't care. And that's so sad, you know. So. 
You're 100% right. It is very sad, and it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, it, it, it no, really it does not. You know, every, everything that you just described, and I, and I tried to kind of tie it together as you did, too, with, uh, with Dr. King's speech, um, everything that, that he stood for, many, I mean, millions of people have fought for to make happen, and it has happened. You know, we do mm-hmm. have a, we do have a, a largely colorless society uh, amongst those who truly believe in what Dr. King was 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 trying exactly. to say. But those who try to inject color into it by way of uh, of expressing some sort of discrimination or trying to advance themselves through less than honorable methods by starting racial fires and fomenting racial division, they're the ones who lead us to places like we're going to have today. Instead of a, this is just guns versus no guns, they're going to turn it right. into racists, whites versus exactly. you know, non-whites. And, and that is, again, that's the opposite of what Dr. King really wanted. Definitely. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you for making the call, Wally. Really, really great points. It's 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 really just dispiriting, isn't it? I mean, I played for you what I described, which of course is Dr. King's uh, very famous and and most memorable and beloved uh, speech from 1963, August 1963, and I called it inspirational, which it certainly was, and aspirational, which is a different thing altogether, but it also was. Um, and those aspirations were met. I mean, seriously, it's just tragic. He did not live to see them be met, but they were, and they have been. And it's only one, and I'm sorry if this sounds partisan, but it's only one side of the political ideological scale that is trying to take us back to that pre-1964 mentality. Battles between blacks and whites. And the reason why is that political ideology liberalism progressivism is is embodied by the democrat party and if they can create that separation between black and white convince black to stay on their side because they're the ones who are looking out for them then it's politically and financially beneficial to them it just is i mean there is no other way to say it there is no explanation for it there is no reason for it other than that this is what we mean when we talk about it, and I know the phrasing is ugly because of the connotation to actual change, but this is what many of us believe or mean when we say that the Democrat Party wants to keep black Americans chained to the plantation. And, of course, we mean that mentally now. It's a mental plantation, and I feel okay saying it because, again, it's it's what people like Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell, some of the great sage minds of, of, of this century and, and the last, quite frankly, of, of societal thinking have said. It's what uh, people are more modern day. African-American deep thinkers and leaders like Candace Owens uh, and, and others like Colonel Allen West and others have said, and Peter Kersenow, who, oh, goodness, do I need to tell you the Kersenow story, too, before we're done today. Holy cow, you need to hear the Kersenow story about this. I'll do that after this time out here, which is coming up. Uh, but, um, you know, so I, I feel okay using that language. Democrats try to keep blacks changed to the mental plantation that the government must provide for them. They keep pounding that into their skulls rather than helping them get better schools, helping uh, uh, black families, uh, trying to encourage responsible two-parent households so that ch- uh, black children can grow up and go and do and be anything that they want to. They love keeping them down so that 
that they have to come to the government for all of their necessities, from food to clothing to medical care to education, etc. Government will provide, and if the government, led by Democrats, provides, then they will keep voting for the Democrats. Republicans don't want them to need the government for anything. Republicans, conservatives, want African Americans to be just like white Americans, just like Asian Americans, just like Latino Americans, just like every American, like Dr. Martin Luther King said. Completely absent color. It's all about content of character, not color of skin. What we want is for all of those people to be able to learn and then earn, to survive and then thrive. And the only way to do that is to be released from the shackles of the government, not voluntarily stepping into them. All right, I'm going to take this as a timeout. This point is a timeout because... I've got a Kersenow story to share with you. I'm sure he'll expound upon this tomorrow. But little did anybody know, Peter Kersenow is white. (laughs) At least according to race-baiting black people. I'll explain that story and Peter's unbelievable transition right after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, um, I I really need to take a few minutes with this, so I'm glad we got a break early here, so we have a little longer final segment than we normally do. You need to hear the story now. You know who Peter Kersenow is. Peter Kersenow is a United States uh, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a, a top-flight Cleveland attorney. He is a contributor to the National Review, to Fox News, and many other places. He's also my guest every Tuesday on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I'm honored to say. He wrote a piece for National Review critiquing the much-criticized uh, sixteen nineteen project uh, put together by the New York Times. Okay. Headlined for the National Review, History According to the 1619 Project, by Peter Kirschnow. I'm going to share a portion of it with you. As the country commemorates the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. this weekend, it's worthwhile to revisit the 1619 Project. Never content to leave unwoke history alone, last August, the New York Times launched the 1619 Project. The newspaper of record states that this ongoing initiative aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. It's a conscious attempt to make the country's real founding stem from when the first African slaves arrived in Virginia, rather than when the 13 colonies declared their independence from Great Britain, or, say, 1620 when the Pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts, or 1607 when Jamestown was settled. Instead of fixing the founding of the country on a constructive event, the New York Times seeks to define the U.S. by its failures. The 1619 Project deliberately minimizes the contributions and cultures of white Americans and magnifies and romanticizes the contributions and culture of black Americans. Ironically, in this way, it's the inverse of the longtime failure of texts to describe or even acknowledge the historical contributions of blacks. In the introductory essay, Nicole Hannah-Jones writes, quote, More than any other group in this country's history, we have served generation after generation in an overlooked but vital role. It is we who have been the perfectors of this democracy, end quote. And later, quote, out of our unique isolation, both from our native cultures and from white America, we forged this nation's most significant original culture, end quote. The 1619 Project, Kersenow writes, 
Uh, the 1619 Project's obsession with race, standing alone, is bad enough. But it's even worse that it's actually being used in public, public school curricula. Thus, as with other progressive revisionism, it's likely to become the accepted story of America within a generation, unless there's significant pushback. Fortunately, respected and accomplished historians of American history have publicly addressed the manifold historical inaccuracies of the 1619 projects, Project. And these aren't historians dedicated to the lost cause. As part of the National Association of Scholars, 1620 Project, Lucas Morell, a professor at Washington and Lee University and author of the forthcoming Lincoln and the American Founding Rights, the strangest thing about the essay is the claim that transplanted Africans and their descendants were the key to American greatness. Hannah Jones cites no African principles of self-government or ideals of humanity when she quotes the famous pronouncements of the Declaration of Independence. Ironically, however, even in that warped retelling, black Americans' principal means of saving white Americans from their worst selves was not anything African, but the quintessentially American ideals of human equality and natural rights. Now, I'm going to stop there because that's what Kersenau wrote, or, or the first portion of it. History, he wrote, according to the 1619 Project. Now let's uh, move over to The Root, which is a liberal African-American publication. And a liberal African-American writer named Michael Harriet responded to Peter Kersenow's article, History According to the 1619 Project, with his own article, Black History According to White People. Amongst the many things that Harriet wrote about what Peter Kersenow had to say, he emphasized Kersenow's white race as being a reason to discredit it. Let me say that again. The left-wing website, uh, The Root, with its left-wing writer Michael Harriet, who is an African-American, attacked a white National Review online writer for his perspective on black history. The one problem being, that writer, Peter Kersenow, is black. Kersenow is a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, a former member of the National Relations Board, and he argued, now this is the Washington Free Beacon reporting on this unconscionable mistake, and it is still yet an unapologized for mistake by the root, pointing out that Kersenow, in a piece published about the 1619 Project and its obsession with slavery at the expense of the rest of American history, Michael Harriet, senior reporter for the liberal African-American publication, The Root, responded, Black history according to white people. He referred to him constantly as being white throughout the post. For example, as white people are wont to do, Kersenow framed his argument in the context of Martin Luther King, Jr., White people love to quote King because he is a mythical figure who has been whitewashed by the very version of America that Kersenow wants to perpetuate. The 1619 Project's obsession with race standing alone is bad enough, Kersenow writes, whitely. So the Free Beacon got the first crack at Kersenow, asking him to respond to the root story that claimed he criticized the 1619 Project on black history as a white man. Kersenow's response was, and I quote, Well, I guess if Elizabeth Warren can be Cherokee, then I can be white. Can you dig it? 
Better yet. Better yet, wait till my wife finds out. <laughs> Kersenau said. Uh, the writer for The Root, who called Peter Kersenau white for about 2,000 words of an article condemning this white man for daring to opine on black history, Michael Harriet has refused requests for comment. National Review Online editor Charles Cook didn't, however. He decided to respond on Friday on Twitter, saying, Today I learned that Peter Kersenau is white, with a picture, of course, of black Peter Kersenau. That's what the left does, my friends, and it uh, should uh, be no, to, to the surprise of no one that Peter Kersenau will discuss this with me tomorrow. This is, I mean, this is as, as blatant as it gets. And I want to use this to once again highlight what we celebrate today. What are we celebrating today? Martin Luther King Day, a federally recognized holiday to celebrate a man, who, a civil rights activist, whose dream was to not see people's color, but evaluate them on the content of their character. If I may add to that, evaluate them on the ideas that they represent. Evaluate them on the accomplishments that they make. Evaluate them on the efforts they put forth, etc. Evaluate them on the content of their character, not their skin. So here comes Peter Kersenow, a black man, condemning the Wash or the New York Times fictitious review or revision of American history by way of the 1619 Project. Condemning this. And what happens? Dr. King's dream is destroyed. As black writers at the root declare, this man can't be listened to. This man is a white man speaking on black history. The problem is, this was a black man, not a white man. This is why Dr. King wanted color to be erased. Why he wanted us to see one another for the content of our character. Because when you try to judge somebody based on skin color, you can very easily get it wrong. It is not just discriminatory, it is destructive. And that is where I'm going to leave it today. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks again to um, my guests and thanks to our crew. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Mike Gallagher's next. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.